Welcome to the fifth episode of the fourth series of the Women in CX podcast, a series dedicated to real talk conversations between women in customer experience. Listen in as we share our career stories, relive the moments that shaped us, and voice our opinions as loudly as we like about all manner of CX subjects. I'll be your host, Claire Musket, and in today's episode, I'll be talking to one of our members, a seriously brave woman who fled Kharkiv during the Russian invasion of her hometown and is now seeking refuge in Europe. Let me introduce you to today's inspiring guest. She was born in Ukraine and went on to hold a number of senior roles in Russia, working in customer experience and marketing across the property management and financial services sectors. Today's episode is a special broadcast to give her the platform to share her experience and highlight the plight of women and children fleeing Ukraine at this time. Please welcome to the show, CX sister, Elena Rosanova. Hi, Elena. Hello. Hi, Hi, how are you you, you doing today? Um, It's getting better. Every day, another, another day. Okay, so, so just to position this conversation, um, this is a podcast that's being recorded out of our usual schedule. And Elena and I met one another right at the beginning of the Women in CX Community adventure, where I interviewed her for the uh, her feedback and thoughts about what a community could do to support women like Elena uh, within our industry. And she became one of our earliest founding members and actually helped me to build Women in CX as an MVP and a prototype before launch. And I'm eternally grateful to you, Elena, for, for doing that. Um, but to, today we're here to talk about a very important issue, which is the Ukrainian-Russian war. And Elena has been sharing her story in the community about what's happening, uh, what's happened to her recently. And we wanted to use the podcast as a platform for her to be able to share her story with the world and to share the story of other refugees that are now trying to escape the conflict. Um, so thank you so much for coming to share that story with us today, Elena. Um, I know it's probably going to be a, an emotional experience to recount, but we are 100% here for you and um, um, we want to make sure that your story is heard. Thank you, Claire. It's, it's very important. Thank you. So, so I guess my first question then is like just to kind of give us a bit of your backstory, really. Um, how did you become a Ukrainian living in Russia? Like, how did that transpire? Oh, um, so, yeah, I was born and raised in Ukraine in uh, the city called Kharkiv, which being under severe attacks these days. Um, and when I was around, I don't know, 20, 23, I think, I was um, offered a position in Moscow office of a company, international company. We met at the event. And so then I was offered the position. I moved to Moscow. There, there was a bit of a drama story behind that, but it's, it's not the issue of this podcast specifically. Um, so I moved to Russia in, I think, 2007. I worked for a couple of years in Moscow, moved back to Ukraine to uh, a lovely city called Odessa for one year and then back to St. Petersburg and then to Moscow. So I think overall I spent about 15 years in in Russia. Mm. Funny enough, I never got Russian passport, which all my Russian friends thought was a stupid idea not to get one Mm. because my life 
should have been a bit easier in Russia. Um, but I don't know, I had this feeling all the time. I don't know, I mean, I cannot explain it. It's just, uh, it's, it's fine. I have my Ukraine passport. I have some documents in Russia. I'm working officially, I'm paying my bills. So it should be fine. And I first, um, I first was in the real estate industry for many years. Uh, and then as marketeer mainly, and then uh, joined Bridge Company, um, a design company in 2011. Spent the, about the, I don't know, six years with them. Uh, very, very good experience. And that's how I got my proper British English, um, which everybody likes. Um, and then I, uh, I have, have my daughter and she was born in 2016 and realized I cannot travel as much. And I, I decided that I should probably stay in Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, so did this and um, I think I, I got into CX in 2015, 14, um, and it just made so much sense. So I was trying to promote that in every industry. And, you know, I, I still believe, especially in the current situation, that what we do is, is something that we need to continue to be doing and change the world for better. I agree, I agree. And, and was there like always an underlying tension between Russia and Ukraine, given the history? Would you like to share a little bit with the listeners about what that history is? They might not be aware of it. Okay. So, I mean, if you look back at the history of, uh, of this part of the world, you will know that Kiev was built like way before Moscow, way before Moscow it was the center of that, I, I, I know the right word, empire, I would say, of, of, of Slavic uh, nations. Uh, but then with, with years and, and Russia becoming stronger, some parts of Ukraine being uh, some, some called like Malorossia, which is like small Russia. That's exactly the eastern part of Ukraine where my native city is located, as well as Donetsk and Luhansk. Um, and, it, you know, I mean, tension is possible, but as, as a Russian speaker, and my Ukrainian is way worse than my English, um, um, I never experienced any problems. And I keep telling all my friends, I mean, both in Ukraine and in Russia, that there are bad people in every nation. And there, there are some not really smart people claiming that, oh, if you live in Ukraine, you only have to, to speak Ukrainian. But I, I, it's not a general approach. People were welcome to, to speak any language. Mm-hmm. But I mean, official language is still Ukrainian. So it's, it's normal to have the documents and know the language if you live in the country. I mean, if you come to the United Kingdom, you probably should know, you know, should speak English just to be, you know, occupied in, in, in the whole environment, engaged in the life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, it, it's hard. It's politics mainly, not not the tension between people though are yeah because i mean there are lots of people in moscow now who are in real pain because their loved ones are in ukraine because the families were never separated in terms of the borders we were traveling and everything was fine Mm. so i I think it's a crisis for people in russia as well i mean internally in their hearts now Mm-hmm. And, and 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 can you explain to the listeners a little bit more about kind of what triggered the invasion do you know like why it's happened 
Uh, I wish I knew. I mean, a few days before I went to Ukraine and my friends are still laughing about the reason why I went there. Because I still hold Ukrainian passport, I, I decided to renew my driving license in Ukraine. So I went to, to Kharkiv to do that on the 23rd of February. And, um, and my friend actually, she, she's based in London, she said, Helen, well, there are lots of uh, intelligence saying that there should be a, a war or something. And I was saying, like, I don't understand the reasoning. I mean, I really, really still don't understand the reasoning behind all that. Uh, as a person, I mean, we can read lots of, yes. lots of intelligence now, but as a person, I still don't understand. And it's still not clear to me, and especially with everything that's going on now with different sources of information, it's very hard to find the, the exact understanding. Mm. Yeah. So. yeah, so you were in Kharkiv literally as the war erupted. Can you tell uh, us yeah. what was that um, like for you? What um, happened? Yeah, the, the bombing started around 5 a.m. Did you have uh, any warning? No. No, I, I actually I didn't even hear the, the bombing. So we uh, I got up very early the day before. Um, I spent a whole day running around doing you know things, and so um, and got in bed very late at my friend's house. Um, and I I woke up like hearing things that my friend's husband is saying about the city. Uh, the satellite city of Kharkiv being under bombings and and in my mind I thought oh that's a weird dream you know it's just a, such a stupid dream until I opened my eyes and then realized no no they're actually talking in the uh, in the room uh, next door and I could hear them and I, I go up I, come, uh, I came to their room and I said what's going on mm-hmm. and they said well apparently there are bombings all over Ukraine. And I was like, shit. I'm sorry to, to say this word. It's but, okay. It's okay. It's pointed um, for sure. It was, yeah, it's, it was just really shocking. And I, I think I still cannot understand what, what was going on. Because um, we, we got, so we immediately we got onto the car and we, we went to do some, some things. Uh, people were standing in the drugstores, uh, lines, huge lines to the supermarkets, to, I don't know, to everything that could sell anything. Um, so then we go back, packed our stuff, went to my, my friend's friend in the next building. Uh, and the reasoning for that was that running from their level 11 to the shelter, to, to the bunker would be much harder. And because their friend lived on level four, we, we thought that, okay, it's good. So we spent the whole day there with uh, three kids. Um, I have still my godson and his family that back in Kharkiv, they, they cannot leave. Um, and we spent the whole day. We, at some point, we could still hear the bombings and warnings and we, we listened to the TV and we could, uh, you know, at some point I, I was thinking, I'm like in the movie about 
alien invasion. Honestly, I, I was looking, I was watching these movies before and I thought, oh, I mean, interesting how people feel. Like an empathetic person, I was trying to kind of put myself in the shoes of these people. And then I was that person. And that, I mean, we, we couldn't really understand what's going on. And, and we, we taped it with the windows so the windows do not break if, if the bomb comes next to the building. And the kids fall asleep and, you know, we, we could, I think, um, we could take the shower then, yeah. And then uh, in the evening we decided that we need to get out of the house and go to um, the shelter. And the only shelter that was available next was the, um, <clears throat> was the uh, kind of a bunk house or, or a space under uh, the high rise mm -hmm. where my friends live. And uh, this space is, it, it was covered with water just a few months before. So you can understand that it's not the, like anything with re refurbished or something like that. Mm. There were bricks and, and there were dead cats and, and things oh. like that. Um, and we, we could only s sit on the, in the corridor and thankfully nice people, uh, offered a mattress for the kids so kids could sleep and my friend he thought that this was an extra mattress they have in their house or something like that and and just just to understand um, the guys who offered the mattress they lived on level eight and the elevator was all elevators were cut off the energy just uh, not to keep people inside in case some mm. bombings happen or something like that. <clears throat> and so my friend goes up with them thinking they have an extra mattress or something. And actually they took the mattress off their bed to bring it down and provide kids with space to sleep, mm. which was extremely human. And um, I hope they're good. I hope these people are good now. And then and reunited with their kids because their kids live somewhere else. Um, so we spent the night there and we realized that uh, it will be very hard. I mean, we don't know how long it will take. We all hope it will end in two days, in three days. I don't think even people in Ukraine imagined how strong the army is and how strong the people are. Mm. We, we, we're through this propaganda and not looking at as an Ukraine, a Ukrainian nation as a strong nation <clears throat> in general. I mean, uh, I think people were losing faith a little bit. And with this whole situation happening, the faith is getting back. Mm. And most of the people, I would say 95% of people I met um during the trip from Kharkiv to where I am now in Warsaw um they all want to get back they don't want to you know stay out of their loved ones out of their houses though maybe they don't even have a house anymore um so yeah it was um it was interesting to to see all that and and then the next days until I, I actually fleet out we spent um in, in the hospital 
because um, one of the friends works there and so we had some space and there was also a bunker um, mm. and <laughs> I was moving from <clears throat> very far away from from the bunker so I was sleeping first in the main room and then each night I was kind of moving close to the bunker and the last night uh, there I've slept uh, in the bunker itself um, and again it's it's not that something was prepared it was it was just the the underground place again a bit more um, healthy looking than the previous one but still and I think the major thing was to keep sanity and not to let yourself um, kind of relax because you you always have to be um, aware that the bomb can come, the people with guns can break into the hospital theoretically, and so that kind of that kind of keeps you very very um, alarmed all the time. I still don't really sleep. Um, no, not because I have these weird dreams. It's just that it's just impossible to sleep. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's strange for me. But I was trying to find the reason for that, actually. Why, why am I there? And I hope I found one. Gosh. Um, I can only begin to imagine what that must have been like and how much strength it's taken you to recount the memories of what's happened and you know you've been through a huge trauma like you said you know this unbelievable situation that felt like a movie and your mind trying to adjust to this being the reality that you are in the yeah. movie the 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 the, the film of a, of a war zone <laughs> um so I can you know only applaud you to because you you survived that experience and, and managed to get yourself out. But what was running through your mind? Like, you know, you're hearing these bombs dropping, you're um, seeing these like acts of amazing human kindness to one another in the midst of like the worst human acts possible of war and guns and killing people. Like what was running through your mind about like the situation? What were you thinking of like in, in, that, in those moments? So I was trying to find the reason for why am I here? Because I, at some point I'm a fatalist because lots of things happened in my life and throughout my life, some bad things happening led me to very good things eventually. So I'm trying not to be focused on the bad things, but think, okay, so this is a bad thing. Okay. It's pretty bad but where can I jump from there and um, especially when I was fleeing um, you know standing in lines and and running for tickets and sitting in these compartments just filled with people uh, amazing people honestly amazing people uh, I always thinking okay I'm a custom experience professional I'm a I would say human experience professional because I mean customers and employees yes. are humans, right? People, yeah. So, so feeling all that, can I help at some point? And can I 
using all my connections, the, the community, all these incredible women in CX or other networks that I have uh, in CX community, can we help the organizations that are actually, you know, working with refugees to, to make the experience of being a refugee a bit less painful and unstable? Because no matter, I mean, uh, let's be realistic, we cannot stop the wars ourselves. But in our hands, we definitely have the powers to, to help these women and kids who are mainly running or, or, um, or elderly people to feel a bit more secure. Because I think in the last line from, from Lviv to, to this train, and actually in the first, in the first line as well, we were standing shoulder to shoulder and you were standing like this and someone mm -hmm. else was standing behind you. And it was not like like the line on the tube in London, like everybody's standing and it's very precise. People were saving their lives. They were saving their kids' lives because that was the most precious thing. And that it was not organized. There were no volunteers at the station at that point. I've heard that now they actually use military uh, guards who gather um, women with kids and then take them to the trains but when we were fleeing about a week ago um there was nothing like that you just stand in line for five hours we only moved like i don't know maybe seven meters at some point me and my friend because i was leaving with my friend and her daughter uh we've agreed that we probably it's not the way to do it so we decided to else you know we do it differently and we got on the train eventually but again i mean we were literally fighting. I had to push people. And in my mind, I mean, I, I, I honestly hope that these people got out there. So, but going through all that, I understand that, of course, no one was ready for the war. But can we, as a community, go through, I don't know, journey mapping, thinking, coming up with ideas, what can be done on each of these little points to help these women and kids, to understand where they're going, to, to help with the luggage, to help with the food. Because mm -hmm. the Lviv station was a bizarre. People started fighting, literally you know, kicking each other because they were so stressed, staying in line, not being able to go to the toilet because toilets are not available or they're out and you're here with the kid. You cannot leave the kid, you have the bag you have everything, you know, a, a big bag. So uh, it, that was breaking my heart even more than the bombings itself, because uh, thankfully I didn't see it myself, the bombings. Thankfully, I didn't see myself with my own eyes, the, the, everything that was demolished. And um, I mean, I do have this trauma, but I didn't see it with my eyes. But what I saw with my eyes and what I've experienced is, is being on these trains, in these lines, seeing these women who don't speak the language, mm -hmm. who don't have the money, who don't understand whether they will have a bed to sleep tomorrow. And they have a little kid or two or maybe three and they have a dog. I love the people who are also taking the dogs or cats because, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's good. It's human not to leave them behind. Um, 
And so uh, do I have a plan right now? No, I don't. Uh, and I'm still trying to just calm down and, and put my, my head around the whole thing that happened to me. But do I feel the powers in our hands? Definitely. And um, I hope next week I will try, or maybe someone who, is who will be listening to this will approach me, the um, one who's helping with refugees and they need my help or they need help of, of the community. Because mm -hmm. um, I was talking to um, a couple of ladies from Women in CX who had similar experience, but just different countries in Serbia and Kosovo and all that. I'm not the first one and I'm not the only one and I'm not claiming I have all the answers. Because mm. looking at how people fleeing right now in what conditions they have to get out of their native country and save their lives. Uh, I, I, I don't know, maybe my, my dad, who's, um, who, who passed away many years ago, was my guarding agent, you know, because I fled out, I'm still here, I'm still standing, um, I'm here, you know, and I'll be standing. Yeah. It would only be someone like you who would be thinking about how what you can do can help other people when you've been through something so traumatic yourself. So like, I guess if anyone is listening and we as a community could help to solve some problems or issues. Um, I know that there are some incredibly smart and supportive women who will give their time to do that. We just need to find opportunities to help and um, you okay? Yeah, 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 I'm good, I'm good. I'm just- I'm good. Um, you know, this, you know, giving you the platform to share this story and your intention and what you want to do to help like you know you've got my support we just need to try to find ways of being able to help and and I know like the sense of powerlessness that I think people around the world who aren't directly affected by this feel and the and the empathy you know well not, not that we can physically put ourselves in your shoes but hearing your story today and knowing you know the details that you'd shared around being a, a women alone in a line with kids while people are fighting and there's nothing being done to try to help manage that experience like if there's a way that we can help of course um we want we want to do that but but what about you and your family now so you're not with your children your your daughter or your mum like you're where yeah, are you now um, and, and what's happening there um they are still in moscow they will leave um, tomorrow and we, we have to catch up in Europe. Mm. Um, and I mean, it's the whole life is, is just kind of blowing because um, I'm still working for a Russian company. Um, mm. I'm working in a bank um, and I, I love my job. I love what I was doing. We, we have so many plans. So I'm not sure what, what will happen there because let's be honest, I'm a little bit scared to get back because I will not forget. I cannot um, 
say that I wasn't there and I cannot pretend it was not happening. Mm -hmm. But if I will, then there is a law and I can get to jail. So I, I'm not really keen to get to jail. And is that because is that because if you speak out about what happened yeah. in your point of view, there's a yeah. law yeah. against yeah. it? So it's yes. a yeah. so it's You literally can get to jail for just saying uh, a phrase which is for peace or no war, uh, which is, you know, ridiculous to me, but that's what we got. Um, so, um, yes, I'm a, I'm a bit concerned. And, um, but also, I mean, come on, my heart goes to all the people in Russia who, are, who will be struggling, who are struggling right now. Uh, when, when things happened and I made a post, I said, Honestly, I don't give a fuck about the passport or about your nationality or where you're coming from. Um, if if we understand what's going on, if we are mm -hmm. honest that we accept mm -hmm. the facts as the facts. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, uh, one of the girls I know from Moscow, she, I mean, she was supportive, you know, she was supportive. And then at some point she said, so how are you? How are you doing? And I said, well, under bombs still. And her next phrase, it just pissed me off. She said, how do you know it's Russians who are bombing? Have you seen it yourself? And I'm like, to be fair, at the moment, we don't know what's going on because it's war. And of course, some Ukrainian bombs or, or, or rifles might have get mm. to Ukrainian people. I mean, it's not that they're targeting Ukrainian people, it's just that mm. these are the casualties of war. Mm. And it's not the first war that's that's running by these rules and laws. Mm. But I would never think in this way about this mm. whole situation. So mm. I just cut maybe a couple of people off my network, to be fair, because most of the people um, uh, are okay and they're, uh, I've, I've got a tremendous support tremendous yeah tell me more about that like what let's say you, know, you, you said you know the human aspects that you've experienced despite this being a tragic and terrible situation how have you been supported who supported you what, what um, kinds of things have people done to help so well first of all they they um lots of people wrote me messages or, or in, in different in different channels they wrote me messages all of them offered help um, some who are closer to me, they've offered help to my family in Moscow and my mom did receive this help as much as mm. um, it was needed and uh, still keeps receiving that. Um, but, you know, we, there's just a phrase right now in Ukraine and I think it, it's everywhere. During the war times, the phrase, how are you, is equal to I love you. Mm. And uh, that's what was happening. People were writing to me. Uh, my HR manager from, from my bank, she was writing to me morning, midday, anything. Mm. I never even met this lady, literally, never in my life. Mm. We were only chatting all the time for the past year and she was helping me. But, you know, getting this kind of support. And then I received messages from people I've never spoken for like 10 years or 15 years. Wow. from all over the world and and everybody was asking how can I help and I said you know what just just reaching out 
mm. is so important because sitting in the bunker mm. closed from the whole world and just listening bad news is getting on you at mm. some point I had it a, a little bit well they didn't like me to have a meltdown thankfully uh but I had this you know I I I was not sure if I will get out alive. Mm. And at some point, I almost felt, no, I'm, I'm fucking lucky. I will get out of here for sure. But then the other, you know, when you under all this pressure. And uh, when we were fleeing with my friend and, um, and her daughter, so you could imagine, just, just for you to imagine, uh, so there is a train and next to the train you see maybe 150 people and it's not that again it's not that they're standing in line they're just surrounding the entrance and we didn't have the tickets so I was pushing through this crowd to get to the door of the train and uh, this is a train with compartments so in each compartment there are four for seat for beds two at the bottom and two at the top so usually there will be four people so we get on the train uh sonia my, my friend's daughter is crying because she was pushed and she was hurt a little bit and she was scared that she might might have lost her mommy who was just mm -hmm. behind her and we got on i think second compartment there are young kids i think 20 maybe 20 22 23 and we ask can can we sit please and they sure there will be lots of us but of course we can sit mm. um so we sat there and uh we, eventually we started charting and these were kids who were working for the company where that's doing some engineer and design work for european companies and so they were i think they were engineers and designers and architects and very young i mean up to 23 and uh and they've shared some some sweets with us and, and water and and there was one hilarious guy daniel he was making us so i mean crying because of his jokes and i was looking at sonia and she was smiling and she was laughing and she couldn't get to to sleep because she was smiling so much and mm -hmm. laughing and it was it was good because after the whole stress of getting on this train or standing the whole we spent a whole day at the at the train station waiting for the train she was of course she's a kid she's 11 years old she's, she's scared so that guy really 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 took the tension away and we could, we could sleep um and then the other people i mean and the other train and in this train and at the station i i've seen unhuman behavior then you know all these fights and the things i mean not unhuman in a way it's not natural for humans it's more like i would yeah. i would expect more yeah. more friendly yeah. yeah it was it was frightening at some point yeah. you know especially if you're running uh, for the train and because we only had backpacks mm. uh we, our hands were were free mm. so we've tried to help the mothers with kids who have big bags so we were carrying with Christine and at some point I was like, I'm just so tired. I didn't sleep for three nights. Mm. I, I can barely, you know, I can barely hold myself. Mm. And um, I, don't, I, I don't think I slept for four nights in a row. I mean, normally. Um, and um, but 
just seeing all that, the human behavior, this this real strength in being human rather than fight for your own life only. Yeah. It's extremely powerful. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure that will stay with you forever. So, yeah. is, is there anything kind of you'd like to say to the audience or, you know, how they can support refugees or like what those who are quite distant from this who really want to help? Is there a way that we can help? Okay. Um, There are numerous initiatives at the moment. And if you go to LinkedIn, I'm sure you can you can find or I can actually repost some of this uh, so you can find me uh, and uh, you will check my latest posts and you can see it. Um, There are lots of refugees coming. And if you're based in uh, Poland or Romania or um, Czech Republic, um, just Google where where things are happening and, and be part of that. Germany even, I mean, people go as far as they as they can at the moment and they don't speak the language. So download the translation app for yourself and for those people. I, I know that there are lots of good, good people and they're also scared. Mm. I mean, it's okay to be scared. It's just, it's just good if you could download the app, come at the station, meet a lady with a kid help her to 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 eat and sleep properly for the next days help her to locate herself um and make her feel a bit more secure about her future even for the next i don't know two weeks four weeks months mm-hmm. maybe we don't know when it will end yeah. um and uh yeah there are there are lots of initiatives that are uh going on in terms of the money support and again, I'll try to post everything I could find on my page. And thank you. I mean, if you will fa- help just one person uh, right now, there will be already one person better for, for all of us. Yeah. And, and if you give us the links, Alina, we can post them all on our YouTube, sure. Spotify, all of our channels and help you sure. to get that message across. So, sure. Wow. Like, you are an incredibly inspiring, brave woman. I'm proud to call you a friend. Um, I think what you've been through and the strength you've shown in being able to share your story in the aim of helping others is nothing short of just brilliant. And I really hope that over the coming weeks and months, as you get you know reunited with Lisa and your mom um, and you know you've got people around the world especially with us here and women in CX to support you that um you figure out some of those questions that you've got in your head but please take care of yourself get some sleep some rest and yeah if there's anything that I or any of our community can do to help apart from just sending you nice messages (laughs) which we'll continue to do anyway um that was just just let us know anytime so so thank you thank you Um, thank you sending you the most huge amount of love thank you okay bye for now bye thanks for listening to the women in cx podcast with me claire musket please check out the links in the show notes for how you can support women refugees 
If you enjoyed the show, please drop us a like, subscribe and leave a review on whichever platform you're listening or watching on. And if you want to know more about joining the world's first online community for women in customer experience, please check out womenincx.community and follow the Women in CX page on LinkedIn. Join us again next time where I'll be talking to another amazing community member, this time from the Netherlands, about crafting CX culture by strategic design. See you all soon.